Hey y'all, and welcome back to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. My name is Callie and I'm here with my girl, Elise. Hello, everyone. Hi. We're back, if we're only, back, we're back. If only people could see me waving. Yeah, I don't think that's considered a wave, which we will get into why Elise's wave is so janky and ineffective in a second. But today, again, by popular request, I am telling you what we're speaking about before we start blabbing about ourselves. <laughs> Reasonable request. So today we're going to be talking about the anxiety that comes from wanting to be in a relationship so badly that it's psyching you out. So uh, we'll probably touch on attachment styles and all that fun stuff later. But for now, Elise, please, for the love of God, share your quote sparkle. I don't, I don't know how you're going to get something good out of this, honestly. So, um, okay. I don't even, I'm not, I don't even like, I don't even know. This is my just life. To, 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 just to butt in. So apparently we're not done. We talked about Elise being done and can all the hard stuff be over? And we agreed. We mutually agreed on, yes, you're done. And the universe was like, LOL. I literally sent Callie a text Friday night at 8 p.m. and said, do you want to hear something funny? You were supposed to be napping too. I know, I know. Okay. It's like, I thought you were asleep. How, why are, whenever you're not sleeping, you give me anxiety because then something <laughs> bad might happen. You just need to be in bed all the time. Someone needs to put literally me in bubble wrap and like that is all. So I'll try to give like the shortest story, but everyone knows that I'm, tell very long stories. So Friday night, Carl came home. We were both excited. We were going to like cook out and have some wine and whatever. And he brought bones for the dogs. And our French bulldog, Lucy is like so aggressive when it comes to bones. And he got like, you know, those bully, st- well, you don't have a dog, but they, they're like bully sticks. They're like really hard. It's actually like a bull's penis. That's like freeze dried. It's really disgusting. And I smell awful. Wait, gross. Yeah. What the hell? I mean, yeah. is this no- all dog owners just have like bull testicles hanging around? No, it's not testicles. It's literally the penis. Ugh, that's even worse. Okay. I don't know. Okay. So my dogs love bull penises. And so Carl got, there's like hard ones and there's soft ones, literally an erect bully stick or a non-erect bully stick. I was not anticipating. (laughs) So long story longer, uh, I turn around and I hear our French bulldog literally choking, like, and it's probably like an eight inch bone. So she was choking on a dick. My dog was literally choking on a dick. (laughs) So I hear her choking and she, the whole eight inches is like, gone in her mouth in her body like you could not see any part of it so I'm like fucking shit so I go I run over panicked because my dog my other dog literally died two weeks ago I'm like this cannot happen to me right now so I pry her mouth open with my hands and I grab the bully stick and I rip it out super quick and when it got out to there was only like maybe an inch left she bit it, but my middle finger got caught in the back of her teeth and she bit down so hard that it literally amputated the tip of my finger. Like it was hanging on by literally skin only, like went through the bone. You could see it was just disgusting and blood everywhere. 
I ran to the kitchen. Carl was there. He was like, holy shit, this is like a lot of blood. And then I instantly was like, oh, I'm going to pass out. Like I'm literally, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going. And then I like passed out cold, was out for two minutes. Carl said he was like freaking out, slapping my, slapping my face to wake up. And then I finally came to, and he already had me in the car. We were driving to the emergency room. I had no shirt on, literally sports bra. Like it was a fucking wreck. Carl was driving a hundred miles an hour. We got to the hospital and they had to give me a penicillin IV. They couldn't close it because dogs mouths have, I guess, like a lot of bacteria in them. So they're like, every time you close a dog bite, like it always gets infected. So we just have to leave it open and wrap it. And then you have to go to a hand surgeon and had to give me a tetanus shot and like antibiotics. So, you know, my lady parts are loving that. It's just like not a good situation at all. And so then I went to the hand surgeon. He was like, yeah, you're basically fucked. Your finger bone is shattered. Your nail is never going to look the same. Your finger will probably be weird. And you have to wear a huge cast over your finger and hand for the next five weeks. And then you can come back and we'll see if you need surgery. So that is my life. Um, Moral of the story, how I'm going to turn this into a sparkle is one, don't put your fucking hand in a dog's mouth. Carl taught me the way how you should do it. I did not know. I got, I went into panic mode and my poor finger <laughs> suffered because of it. Um, I think that's all. <laughs> that's- I, I might have a suggestion. What? Don't bring any more penises into the house, frozen <laughs> or soft. I well, don't care. Keep oh them out. Carl literally came home with $80 worth of bully sticks like he was like so pumped because he's like these dogs are so spoiled they're gonna love me I've just bought $80 worth of bully sticks so we have like at least 12 bull penises in our house no no yep I'm gonna give them away I'm gonna give them away so we're gonna go to a dog shelter don't yeah so don't don't leave your dog unattended eating a dick and don't put your hand in their mouth because your finger will fall off and you will bleed and pass out and life will be hard. This is the ultimate do as I say, not as I do podcast. Yeah. We should rename it. Just do, don't, don't do what we do and you'll be okay. I, but it's so funny because like the majority of the people in my close circle, like obviously know, like all that we've been through this year and like every single time like I walked to get acupuncture and I literally was like hi guys and they're like Jesus like Elise what the fuck is going on like this is not okay like what is wrong with you I'm like tomorrow is a full moon I'm literally saging the shit out of my body out of my home I'm no because then you're gonna burn something can you just just don't touch anything just don't do anything just sit in your bed and text me about movie recommendations she had never seen when harry met sally and i was like okay culture alert we need to fix this it was so cute i know did you like sleepless in seattle i still haven't seen it carl for some reason doesn't want to watch it with me well you know what carl we have issues with carl right now because yeah no that's not acceptable it's I mean, don't get me wrong. Sleeping in Seattle is like super creepy. If you watch it back, you're like, oh, this is weird. But it's so, I mean, come on. Rosie O'Donnell at her finest. It's so cute. I love the I'm, whole thing. 
I'm gonna watch. Also, that. Tom Hanks's wife is in it too. Rita Wilson makes a cameo. You know all the names of all the people. Like I, yeah, I, I live I, in Hollywood. I, that's true. I could like recognize people's faces, but like I don't, I don't know people's names. Well, I have an obsession with C to B list actresses. Like they're my thing. And so like Catherine Hahn has been my go-to girl for forever. She's in every movie you've ever seen. You just don't know her name. Same with like Judy Greer. Um, I'm obsessed with Natasha Rothwell. She's in Insecure and she's in The White Lotus, which is amazing. <gasps> oh my God, we just started watching that. She's- Natasha is the spa manager and obviously Jennifer Coolidge, like my hero. Who's that? Which one's that? She's from, she's, you recognize her from Legally Blonde in American Pie and she's the, the, the Ben and Snap lady. Yes. Okay. That show, I was like not expecting it to be good, but it's like, it's great amazing fun fact the guy from school of rock who's jack black's best friend the guy like ned who's kind of nerdy he he's writing and directing it he's <gasps> cool yeah. and yeah. they did it during covid and they were like let's just go to hawaii and have everyone have a covid test and like hunker down and no one's leaving so it's like <gasps> a great covid show anyway no more fun facts about it like i know so many random things about hollywood that are just no one needs to know and they just like clutter my brain and this is why i don't have a robust vocabulary okay <laughs> so i'm going to i'm going to go into my sparkle before this turns into an hour long podcast about jennifer coolidge um so guys i got a hobby I haven't had a hobby in so long and I realized it's important. Like Brene Brown always preaches about the importance of play. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot, I mean, I have like a good amount of time on my hands. I wouldn't say I'm the busiest person in the world. I hit up Trader Joe's on a Tuesday. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's not like I'm like crazy busy, but I just don't really have any hobbies. Apparently it's a very three thing on the Enneagram. If it's like not productive or not making Mm -hmm. you money, then you're not interested, which is really unhealthy. So Andrew and I, and mostly Andrew, and I'm not going to lie, this is how I get all of my hobbies is Andrew is very into hobbies and gets really obsessed with something. And then he drags me into it. And then I decide if I like it or not, but we are playing pickleball. (gasps) It's so fun. It's like, okay, you know, those like giant chess games, you know, where you like go and there's like life-size pieces of like chess. Mm -hmm. Okay. The metaphor that I'm using, it's like chess is to big chess as in, as like ping pong is to pickleball. It's like huge ass ping pong is basically yeah. what it is. So it's like on a smaller court than a tennis court. The rackets are smaller um, than a tennis court and like bigger than ping pong. So it's kind of like medium size. So you're not like, tennis is so much fun, but it is like, whoo, I am not an athlete. And I only have like maybe one game in me. And it's also like, you have to be good in order yeah. to like volley back and forth, you know? Whereas pickleball, you don't really have to be good at all. Like you can be pretty bad and it's still fun. Um, So we've been playing like pretty much almost every weekend now. And it's a blast. That sounds fun. My mom has played pickleball pickleball before. Why is it called pickleball? Like, I don't know. Well, my favorite part is that after you do something good or like you have a good volley or like you score a point, Andrew and I like wave our rackets to each other and also our friend Hoffman and we go pickle, pickle, pickle. So that's like the fun part. But basically my sparkle is that like, I don't know, I've kind of felt like I've been in a funk lately. I think that's probably because I was on OCD meds and Clomid and my progesterone was going crazy. So, you know, not all my fault, but it has been nice to have like 
a little hobby to go and do and get, you know, it's obviously good exercise. So maybe just consider, you know, discovering a new hobby, whether that's painting or reading or cooking or pickle, pickle, pickle. Do you, do you want to know what my new hobby is? Not showering. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. What else? It's <laughs> disclaimer. Everyone, I only have one hand to utilize. And so Carl's been doing my hair and literally God bless his soul because he rips the shit out of my hair when he tries to put it up in a bun. And there's no point to this story except for like, make sure you have someone who can put your hair up. If you said what you said, you had a hobby. Oh yeah. I, um, I ordered a banjo on Amazon and I'm going to learn how to play the banjo, but that was before my fucking finger fell off. And yeah. so we might have to postpone that, but I would like your hobby to be laying in bed, <laughs> not touching anything and not doing anything and not speaking to anyone and just laying there for a year so that my, nothing else happens. Should my hobby be resting? Like, yes. Okay. Yes. I yes. like feel like that's like calling my name a little bit. Like Please. maybe like my bed is great. I'm literally in my bed recording right now. Great. My cortisol levels are lower right now because I'm not concerned that you're <laughs> out there doing, getting yourself into trouble somehow. I just need you. I just need you to not. Okay. So yeah. I literally text Callie. I'm like, am I a liability? Like, like- Every what? time you texted me this morning and I was like, she's not okay. What the hell did she, did she get in a car wreck? Like what? And then you're like, no, I'm fine. Just something happened. I'm like, what happened? Okay. We need to, we need to, we need to pivot. Um, Elise, will you read me my letter since that will not stress me out? Cause you won't get into trouble. What's, what's even more concerning is like, how do I give advice to people whose lives are like somewhat put together when mine is a fucking mess? Do as I say, not, not as, as I me. do. Mantra for this I, podcast. I can't stop laughing because my life is a joke. Okay. Do you want me to read it? No, no, no. Because because then you're going to mess up our, we already have a system, you know, and I can't. Elise doesn't like to go first. I don't like to system. give advice first because who knows what's going to come out of me today. Okay, okay. fine. Okay. deep breath. Okay. Dear blush. I have wanted to be a wife and a mother for as long as I can remember. Even when I was little in school, I would always tell my teachers that my career goal was to have a family. This probably partially, this is probably partially due to the fact that I had an absent father and extremely busy mother. I don't blame her. She had to raise me and my brothers alone, but I can't help but feel sad about my childhood. And I am excited to create a better family than the one I had growing up. Now that I'm 27, I figured it would have happened by now. But the problem is, while I'm very serious about finding a relationship, I can't seem to get one to stick. I have never had problems. I never, I've never had a problem getting a date. I meet guys through friends out at restaurants or bars through the apps. And even once at an airport, I routinely date usually more than once a week, but the same thing happens every time. We have a first date that goes really well, a second date that's even longer and steamier. And by the third date, it's over. I'm usually ghosted, but if they have the decency to break it off to my face, they always say they aren't looking for anything serious. But the issue is on the first date, they always claim that they are looking for something for a committed relationship. The mixed messages absolutely kill me and I'm left heartbroken, confused, and depressed. 
I have to admit, because of this history, I get extremely insecure about whether or not this guy is the one. So I read into every detail. If I notice him texting me less, I panic. If I sense that they're bored, I freak out. If they don't sleep over, I assume they're not interested. I'm so anxious to start a real relationship. Dating takes up a huge part of my life because that's what you have to do in order to reach your goal, but I'm exhausted. I want love and commitment and kids, but the toll of not finding a guy who sticks is weighing on me. I know I can't stop dating because then I'll never get what I want. So is it me or am I dating the wrong guys or is this normal? And when they find the one, he will stick around. I would love some perspective on how to reach my goal of finding a husband and settling down the quicker we can get the show on the road, the better from let's get married. Let's get married. You're going to hate this. Oh, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about You're this. You're going to hate this. You're going to hate me. You're going to hate this whole next 30 minutes. Um, okay. So is it me or am I dating the wrong guys? Probably both. Um, so let's just get that out of the way. And is this normal? Nope, not normal. And when I find the one, will he stick around? Well, yeah, presumably, right? Because you're going to find the one, it's going to be the one, and then he's going to stick around. But here's, here's the real issue. I don't think that you are acting anxious because of the history of these guys ghosting you. I think that the anxiety is coming from your childhood. Thank you mm. for giving us those details. Really appreciate it. I understand you were just building context, but actually I think the golden nugget is there. Um, so we, I kind of gave this away earlier, right? At least when I was like, okay, we're going to be talking about probably attachment styles. Um, mm -hmm. I actually did like a little prep for this. Oh my God. Starting to get serious on the podcast. Okay. So I have 10 signs of anxious attachment in adults. And so basically attachment styles is the way that not only we interact with other people, but also with ourselves. It's about the relationships that we have with ourselves and how we view ourselves, um, how we feel about ourselves. And that of course bleeds into how we interact with other people around us, you know, namely our spouses, our family, our friends, really everyone. I think, uh, when we talk about attachment styles, most people assume we're talking about romantic relationships. Um, but typically these actually start, I say, typically they always start with your family of origin. So the way that your parents um, and you interact with each other, which makes sense because, you know, your father is most likely the first relationship you have with the opposite sex. And your mother is the first relationship that you have um, with your same sex, if you're a woman. So I'm going to read out the 10 signs of anxious, anxious, Blah! anxious attachment styles and adults and let's get married. I want you to note if any of these, you know, ring true for you. So one lacking a strong sense of self and low self-esteem. I would say I'm kind of getting those vibes a little bit, not like it's not jumping off the page for me, but like a little bit Two, tendency to put others in their needs. First three, a strong desire for relationships and intimate intimacy and hard and having a hard time being alone for seeking approval and reassurance from others. That's the whole, is it me? Is it them? You know, that there's where that's coming from five clingy and needy behaviors and relationships. I mean, well, that one's kind of jumping off the page. Um, six strong fear of rejection, criticism, and abandonment that yep. Check seven, becoming extremely upset when receiving disapproval check eight jealousy and frustration when a partner is 
unavailable or inattentive, check. Nine, overanalyzing and worrying excessively about relationships, check. 10, easily ignoring or misreading signs of relational issues, check. So the last, what, four, five, um, really all come back to one situation, which is when you get really nervous about like, you know, are they acting bored? They're not spending the night. Like you're taking these kind of innocuous things as a, you know, a, a death sentence that is already over when in reality, we're never in good moods 24 seven. Um, so I just wanted to read those out because I think the problem here is that you have an anxious attachment style. Here's the good news. We can change our attachment styles. We don't hear about that very often. It's more, you know, I think we kind of put people in a box and it's like, this is just how you're going to navigate the world now, but that's not true. You can, it's actually called earned attachment styles. And so the goal is to get to a secure attachment style, which we can go over, but I just want you to know one, none of this is your fault. Okay. Not ha having an absent father, having a busy mother, and you don't blame her, which is amazing. Good for you. She was doing the best she could. It sounds like, but this is all taught. This is taught behavior. Okay. This is not something that you're doing wrong because you just decided to act this way. You were taught this from a very young age. This is a normal reaction, but two, we can do something about it, which is pretty badass, right? That you were handed this, you know, deck of cards that you really would rather not have, and you can change them in for new ones, which is great. It's going to take some work. And I have the best shortcut to get there if you want to hear it. But first I want to hear what Elise has to say. Hello. I totally like could see myself writing this submission like years ago before I met Carl. I think I absolutely had, I've spoken to it a bit before on previous podcasts, but I definitely had an anxious attachment. And like, as you were reading those, um, like markers, I was like, yes, 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 yes. I no longer, I have a secure attachment. So all of you who are like, oh my God, this is me. Like Callie said, you can totally change your, um, attachment style. So the first thing that I really resonated with, with this letter writer is it's almost like she's going into the dating process actively looking and going into each date with the intention or pressure and lens of like, is this person my husband? That's like a lot of pressure that you're already putting on yourself and the person that you're going on a date with and the date itself before you're even interacting or meeting. I did that too. Like I, and I kind of worked through this when I was a client for blush. And I can remember my coach was like, dude, like you're going into every single date with like really high stakes. Like you almost like are already anxious before you're even establishing a relationship because you're like, is this person going to be my husband? And she kind of reframed it of like, if you can totally take that intention out of it and just say like, I'm going on a date just to connect with another human being, to hear their story, to like, just be intimate with another human being on this earth. And we can share stories and share experiences with each other. Like that to me feels like the pressure's already like lifted off your chest. The second that I started going on dates with like, Hey, like, like you're networking or something like there is no intention. You're just trying to like connect with people. Like it became so much less pressure sensitive. I don't know. It just seemed more casual. And I actually got to enjoy dating versus like be stressed the fuck out by dating all the time. Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing I think maybe changing like your perspective and your intention before 
um, you're going on these dates might be helpful for you. And also, I know that this is like very annoying for me to say, and I literally roll my eyes every time I say this to clients or myself even, but like, we have to just trust the timing of our lives, right? Like, I really don't think that there's like, that pain is just like pain or like disappointment or self-doubt is like, just exists without purpose. Like, I really think that there is some underlying thing that you need to explore before you can have all of the stars align and like your person come into your life. Like for me, when I literally changed my perspective on dating and I was like, I'm just going to take a step away from dating, work on myself, figure out that I do have an anxious attachment, why I have an anxious attachment, work on that, date myself, enjoy spending time alone with myself and experiencing things with my friends. The second, and I hate that people say this because the second that you stop looking for it. Like Carl literally got pooped out from the universe. And like with, we went on our first date two weeks later, we were literally living together. Four months later, we were engaged. And a year later we were married, like, and we've been together for four years now. So like, that's, it can happen as quickly as like literally so quick when you're least expecting it. And I know that that's hard for people to hear because we want predictability and we want some certainty. Like my mom always talks about how I would call her FaceTime, her bawling, crying, saying like, I'm always going to be alone. I'm never going to find my best friend or a partner. And she just laughed. We laugh about it now because it's like, I really lucked out, you know, like I'm married to my best friend and we have the best time together, even with our life being like Carl and I have never been better. And like, our life has been a shit show this year. So like that goes to show, like there's always hope on the, there's always a rainbow on the other side of a storm. And so like, those were my first two initial thoughts because we have to just trust the timing Mm -hmm. of life. And I think, you know, like Callie and I are kind of doing that too with our whole fertility journeys. Like we have to kind of just like, Ooh, I'm not trusting. I'm not trusting. Well, I'm, I'm I'm jaded and cynical and (gasps) Ooh, no, 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 no. (laughs) So I'm, I'm trying, I'll reframe. I'm trying to kind of take a step back and just be like, fuck it. Like I've been anxious as hell this whole time and it's literally gotten me nowhere. So like, what's the point, right? Like I've kind of like waved the white flag and I'm like, fuck it, you know? Absolutely. No, I, and I, I'm, I'm semi kidding when, when you brought up trust, I was like, I don't trust doctors. I don't trust anyone, (laughs) but you know, for good reason, but you're right. I am not, I am going through my fertility journey, assuming at some point it's going to happen. Yeah. Right. I'm not fixating on when I'm not fixating. I'm trying not to fixate at least on the details anymore. Um, you know, because it's just, it's like, if you just go into it, assuming it's going to happen, it's a lot more enjoyable instead of getting yourself worked up. Um, and instead I'm trying to take it day by day and say, well, what can I do today? What can I do maybe tomorrow? What can I, how can I set myself up for success right now? And let's get married. I'm going to tell you right now, I'll tell you what my shortcut is. And Elise definitely alluded to it. Um, you got to stop dating and, and I, I'm serious. And I know that that is so counterintuitive to what you want to do, but you are so fixated on the mm-hmm. end result. Just yeah. how, if I were just so fixated on getting pregnant tomorrow and having a baby in nine months, and it has to be this timing and da-da-da, I would be in bed crying every single day. Like it would just be so depressing, which don't get me wrong. I've had my bouts of depression this year, but it would just be devastating. 
mm-hmm. to have a goal that you really have no control over none. Mm-hmm. And you can set yourself up for success. Like I said, by, by researching and by doing the right things, but that still might not guarantee you what you want in a timely manner. Yeah. And so I need you to assume with your whole heart that it's going to happen for you. Like that is a done deal. Okay. You will meet someone because you want to, you will get married because you want to, you -hmm. will have kids in some way, shape or form at some point because you want to, okay. Mm -hmm. Period dot the end. It will happen. I need you to believe that. So that's why I'm going to tell you stop dating right now. Mm -hmm. Take the pressure off take some time for yourself because you need a clear head to understand that you are projecting your father's past Mm -hmm. onto the people you're dating right now. When Mm -hmm. you have a parent who's absent from your life, why the fuck would you expect anyone else to stick around? And anytime. And like, I'm like parallel process to like my fertility journey. And I like wrote about this in the blog that we posted, but like anytime you enter into a situation or a pursuit or a journey with a sense of urgency, you're not seeing clearly. You're not able to like filter. Do I like this person? Does like, what do I like about this person? Do our values align? You're just so fucking urgent and desperate to be in a relationship. And I get it. I have been there in multiple seasons of my life, whether that was a husband or a baby or so be it, whatever. But like, if you are going into any situation with a sense of urgency and desperation, you're not going to be able to see clearly. Mm -hmm. That's why they say like, don't make any significant life decisions when you're in the middle of a crisis, because you're not thinking clearly. You're not able to process in the way that you would, if you were feeling really stable and secure in your life attack, like separate from another person. Absolutely. And not only is she going into this with some urgency, very results focused, she, it sounds like once a week, she's getting her heart broken and she's emotionally flooded constantly. I mean, talk about cortisol levels, like, you know, worrying about you as a full-time job, but I can't imagine getting, you know, shit on every single week. And then of course there's self-medication through finding someone new. Mm -hmm. And through getting that spark again and saying, well, it's all worth it because this one's going to work out. I mean, oh my God. It's like her happiness is completely dependent on these goofballs, which I mean, some of these might be quality men, but I I, I don't know. The point is, it's not about them. It has nothing to do with who you're dating, to be quite honest. Because even if a guy who is ready to get married and commit and y'all aligned on values instantly, I mean- the behavior that you're, you know, giving out right now is actually showing that you're not ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So, and it's like, it's like kind of like an addiction cycle, right? Like she probably goes on these dates and she gets a high and she feels worthy and she feels, you know, self-deserving and confident. And then it's like, then the high wears off and the person doesn't text her back. And then she gets in her head and then she feels like she needs to cope with that pain by getting validation from another person. It's like a vicious cycle. Right. But the fact that we know that means that she's self-aware. I mean, she knows. So, you know, let's get married. I just want to give you props. You are so on it. The fact that you can pinpoint, yeah, I think I feel anxious about starting a family because my family growing up wasn't that great. Bingo. Check mark. Yahtzee. (laughs) Good job, girl. Like, yes, nailed it. Okay. And then you're recognizing, yeah, maybe some of these guys give me mixed messages, but then I blow it up to an extreme proportion 
abortion and make sure that the relationship fails because I freak out. It's like, yep, yep, check. That's exactly what's happening. But the fact that you know this, let's get married, and that you're brave enough to share that with us is pretty phenomenal, which makes me think the work ahead isn't going to be as complicated. You just have to stop. In order to stop a pattern, you have to like literally leave it on the table and walk away from it. You have to break the cycle. And the only way you're going to break the the cycle is by being alone for a little bit. It's not going to stop because you're going to say, I'm only going to date these types of men who are ready to commit. It's like, no, take that out of the equation. It's not even relevant. This is going to start internally with you. I highly, highly, highly recommend to start processing this with somebody to start really getting in the weeds with what did your childhood teach you? What were the coping mechanisms that you started adapting whenever you realized that your dad wasn't around, that your mom was super busy? Um, when did you first feel like you needed something outside yourself really to Mm -hmm. soothe you? Like, These questions are so important to figuring out how you can become super comfortable with yourself because marriages really work well when both parties know that they would be fine on their own. And that sounds Mm -hmm. really cynical. I know it sounds gross, but it's true because that way we're not freaking out every second that our partner's going to leave or that they're going to get hit up, hit by a bus or that they're going to have their finger chopped off by their dog and not be able to shower for five weeks. I mean, you know, (laughs) you know, but I'm serious. Like your, your anxiety level just is on a completely different level when you know, I am enough. And I'm Mm -hmm. not sure, you know, that let's get married. That's not to say it's wrong to want to be in a relationship. I think, you know, to an extent, it's human nature. Now I know that not everyone wants to pair up and have a family. And that does not mean that you're going against nature by any means, but I don't want to shame you for having that biological urge within you to want to, you know, get married and have kids. It's completely normal. We just want you to be healthy Mm -hmm. and fully confident and ready for whenever that happens, because it will, I, I really need you to hear this it will happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just want it to be, to happen on your terms. Right. And not on this fake fictitious timeline that you've made up for yourself. And you kind of pointed to like limiting beliefs. And I did a lot of work on that in grad school. And some, my professor told me that we actually attract people, situations, and opportunities that reinforce our self-limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case here, and we have some underlying like unconscious self-limiting beliefs, like I'm not worthy of, or I'm not lovable or whatever, you're going to be attracting people into your life that only reinforce that until you do the work to shed light on those and to challenge them. And then to re- figure your self-limiting beliefs in the book that we're reading by Louise Hay, you can heal your life. It's book club next month. Um, she talks about how your beliefs are really just a culmination of thoughts that you deem as the truth. And if you think of it in that way, you can change your thoughts. Therefore you can change your beliefs. And I think that you're setting yourself up and I know this, and I can speak to this from actual experience in my own life and relationship 
the sooner that you do that work and really challenge those beliefs. And like Callie said, you're already one foot in the door because you have the self-awareness to do that. Like without awareness, you can't change anything. Like you're literally fucked and you have two steps instead of just one. Right. And that's not to like minimize any of the work, but like you're already halfway there pretty much. And so I think really shedding light on those self-limiting beliefs and challenging them and, you know, getting beliefs that are actually empowering and encouraging and secure for you to get to a place where like, I have a full life without a husband. I I've been doing the same work without, you know, with all this baby shit. It's like the other day I told Carl, I'm like, you know what? Like, I really want to be a mom, but like, I do have a full life without a child. And I wasn't able to even get to that place because I was so fucking hyper-focused on baby, 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 that I wasn't able to, I literally like lost sight of everything else in my life. Like I have a great fucking life, despite the fact I only have one hand now and shit's in flames, but like, I really do. My heart is full. I have a great support system. I have a great husband. I live in a beautiful, cute home. I have one dog that I'm not talking to, but another dog that is literally amazing. Like, you know, I have so many things to be grateful for. And I, I wasn't able to really have my heart be full from those things because I was just too focused on what I didn't have. And that's kind of like that, like scarcity versus growth mindset. Your mindset is truly like your biggest tool in your toolbox. Like if you're going through life, thinking that you're the victim and nothing good is ever happening to you and scarcity mindset, and there's not enough time and there's not enough resources, you're going to be making a lot of life decisions based on that sense of urgency and desperation. And like I said before, like that just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't work out well. No, it, it truly doesn't. And you know, it's so true, but at least the, one of the reasons I think you arrived at this place of, I have an amazing life. I have a full life, even without a baby is because you know, you took a step away from it because you know that you needed it and you're self-aware and you're I mean, so in tune with all this stuff that you knew, you know, I think a lot of people are probably looking at you like, okay, it's time for the next step. It's like, when are we doing the next round of IVF? Or have you thought about this? Or have you thought about this? I'm sure so many people are staring at you like, let's go. But you know yourself well enough. And I commend this choice, like exclamation point, exclamation point, highlighted, underlined, like so much that you decided, nope. I've been through the ringer. I'm good. I'm going to take a breather. I'm just going to collect myself and my thoughts. And frankly, your perspective, because Mm -hmm. you gave yourself the space to find gratitude because what the hell is there to be grateful for when you're on hormones, having to go through grief, having to go through loss, having doctors fuck it up at every step. It's like, there's nothing to be grateful for in that situation. I'm sure that's how let's get married feels. It's like, what's there to be grateful for? All these guys keep ghosting me and breaking my heart and I'm not worthy and nothing works out for me. It's like, and this is our, this is my biggest piece of advice is be a lease, like get in tune with yourself and understand that taking a break from something doesn't mean you're giving up. Yeah. That's, that's not what it means at all. That's so true. And I, I mean, I think that like, I mean, listen, part of me was very much like, okay, let's just like not do any of the emotional work and just fucking push through and like get this shit done and try again. But like, I did that two times before you know, and I rushed through and I, I tried to do the fastest route, not the right route. And, you know, it just, I think really 
again, when you're in a state of like crisis and chaos, you can't see straight. And you're literally just so I was obsessed and I literally was so fixated on the end result. And like, I, I know 100%, like there's no doubt in my mind that I'm going to be a mom. It might not be what I, what, how I thought it was. I mean, hell, I thought I was going to have sex and have a baby. Like that shit ain't happening for me. And that's fine. (laughs) But you know, like it's, it's, you have to have that piece of flexibility to say like, and this is for let's get married. Like there's not a question whether or not you're going to have a husband and a family. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's not a question because the desires of your heart are there for a reason. And I've always said, I'm just like, let's get married. I've always said like, I want to be a wife and I want to be a mom. That's something that has always been in my heart since I was a fucking kid. So like, that's not what's in question here. What's in question is like how you show up and how you navigate the journey to get to where you want to go. And you can rush it and bypass it. But like, what's that thing that they say about the turtle? Like, turtle and steady wins the race or whatever. It's like the turtle in the hair. It's the the little story that you read when you were little and that the hair went too fast and then got like, got a tummy ache or something or got took a, a nap or whatever. A nap. I don't know. And then yeah, the yeah. yeah. Be the turtle, be Elise. Um, I mean, you know, I, I resonate too, actually in a way, I mean, taking a break this cycle and finding a new doctor that was very much inspired by Elise. And it's like, don't rush through this. Don't cut corners, do things the right way. And, and I'm not trying to say there's a right way and a wrong way for anything in life, because we all know that. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish, um, but let's get married you've got to calm your brain. You've got to calm your body. I think your brain and your body feel like they are under attack every day. And I think you are probably constantly feeling like you're failing Mm -hmm. and having chronic failure is so depressing. I mean, there's just nothing worse that that's when control goes out the window. You start feeling like, what's the point? I mean, I've been in that position so many times where I'm like, what's the point of trying? Nothing I do has impact. That's something that I know that when I say that, I need to calm my nervous system because I am super flooded and I just need to walk away and take a break. And I'm telling you, you're not only there, you're like past being there. Like you should have probably turned around like six months ago and that's okay. That's okay. You you're asking for help now and that's all that matters. But I'm telling you, don't wait one more day. Give yourself a break. Like seriously, just let yourself off the hook. And so that way you're like, well, I don't have a boyfriend yet. And you can be like, well, I'm not trying for one. That's fine. This is, this is a season of me and I'm going to clear my head and, you know, clear out my body and figure this out and hopefully go to life coaching or therapy. I'm just, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. I've never said that on this podcast yet, but I am fully, fully, fully encouraging that because I think you have some stuff that you just need to process and that's all it's going to take just processing it. Sometimes saying, saying things out loud really like rewires our brain to where we form new connections and things make sense. I, I also, am going to say something I've never said on this podcast before either. I think affirmations are actually going to help you a lot, which I am not an affirmation person. I feel silly. I feel weird. I do. It's not my personality. No, thank you. But this is one of those situations where I'm actually going to say, I think you should consider it because I think you need to start talking nicely about yourself internally on a daily basis to get you ready um, to have a good relationship with yourself so that when you re-enter the dating force, because you will, you will, you'll date again. Um, you're going to come at this instead of a, how can I prove myself to you? You're going to ask, how can you prove yourself to me? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love that. 
Mm-hmm. I love that. And I did a five tip Friday on dating, um, not last week, but the week before. And it was actually really, it wasn't my advice. I took it from um, that game. You're not really strangers or whatever. Oh yeah. I watched that one. Really, really good stuff. And so I definitely recommend let's get married. You go watch my video because it will be helpful, but we're not dating right now. Like Callie said, we're taking a step away. We're taking a step back. I think also that was going to be my, cause you always ask for like last thoughts and I never have any, but my, my last thought was like, definitely should work with like a life coach or a therapist because that totally, when I was at the same place in my life that you are in your life, let's get married. Like I needed that third party to just kind of be neutral because like your friends can say that to you, your family can say that to you, but like, they're also like involved in your life. So you kind of like roll your eyes and you're like, you don't know, like you're just saying that, you know, but I think having a third party who's totally removed, who's maybe been there before be like, yeah, one, you know, it's normal. Like we, we get it. Like, but also like there's stuff here to be worked out. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had a ton of clients, um, have, you know, issues like this and and they're, they're totally normal. I mean, you know, most of us come from at least somewhat fucked up families I mean, who comes from a normal family, honestly. So, I mean, this, you are not alone in this. This is super common and super fixable, which is the coolest part is that you are not just stuck in this chamber of failure and shame and desperation and urgency. Like, no, I mean, you're young, you've got time. Um, and even if you didn't, even if you felt like, you know, you were a decade past where you wanted to be, it's like, well, who cares? You know, life just unfolds in a funny time frame for you. But, uh, the point is, is that it's never too late to change your attachment style ever. Um, even when you're in a relationship, it's never too late to do it. I just think it's a lot easier to change things about ourselves that will set us up for a better future when we're single. Mm-hmm. It's just so much easier. It's so much more efficient. It's so much faster. If you try to do this work while you're dating, it gets messy. I've yeah. seen it. Yeah, I've really seen it and it's tough. So my advice would be don't do that and just make it easy on yourself. You know, just, just focus on one thing, because let me tell you, when you get into a real relationship, there are two schedules. There are two opinions. There are two cravings. There are two sets of values. There are, there's two of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like people who are like, oh, my husband and I see eye to eye and everything. It's like, fuck you. No, you don't. <laughs> like, get out of here. I know that you don't because you probably wanted spaghetti last night and he wanted steak. So <laughs> found one, found one. You don't agree on everything. So, you know, you get used to figuring out what you want. Get yeah. used to figuring out your rhythm, what makes you tick, you know, what gets you up in the morning. Because when you do get into a relationship, it gets harder to keep a hold of it. You've got to like actually check in with yourself because part of being in a relationship is making the other person happy. Mm-hmm. Right? And like when you get married, like you're literally with that person like forever. So like, and that like forever is like a really long time. Like especially I'm, if you guys work from home together. Yeah. Well, that's a lot, lot, lots of time I, together. I am obsessed with Carl. I love him with my whole heart. He's literally my best friend. Like I'm No, he's not. I'm your best friend. Callie's my work wife and she's my first wife and Carl, Carl's great. But at the same time, like 
forever is forever. Like enjoy the time that you have. Like sometimes I wish I could, you know, get in bed at seven o'clock and like eat snacks, which I can do that. But like, you know, we want to sit there. It's just a different lifestyle. You know, like what Callie said, you have two, two people that you have to like coordinate things with. So like, enjoy this time because forever is forever. Yeah. Well, she has been juggling two things. It's just the other person hasn't earned that yet. Yeah. This is going to be a departure for her anyway. Um, I don't think she's probably really figured out what it is that she wants other than wanting another person. Mm -hmm. So let's, you're, you're an interesting person. I have no doubt. You've got lots of wishes and desires that have nothing to do with having a family and being married, like guarantee there's a lot of interesting things about you that are separate from that. So I want you to go explore that. I want you to go, I want you to go get a hobby. Would you like to play pickleball with me this Sunday? Because I'm going and maybe pickleball can be part of your personality. And no, you don't have to have a buddy. Well, you do have to have one buddy to play with, but you don't have to play like doubles. You know what I mean? Like you can play singles, like it'll be fun. So that's my advice. Again, I'm sure you don't want to hear that because it's the exact opposite of what you want to do. And it feels like you're not going to meet your goals because of it, but it's the, I mean, it's honestly not true at all. I think you're going to meet your goals Mm -hmm. if you take a step back. Uh, And that's our job as like life coaches. We don't tell you what you want to hear. We tell you what you need to hear, (laughs) you know? It's so true. I've had so many clients want to fire me because I'm like, well, you pay me money to tell you the truth. I know. Oh my God. I've been, I've been ghosted a ton. I mean, they always come back, but (laughs) I've, yeah, I've been ghosted too. It doesn't feel good. Okay. Okay. Let's wrap this one up. So let's get married. You should really consider joining blush. Honestly, yeah. Uh, use promo code bless you all caps for 25% off your first month. You can work with a lovely life coach. Pretty much all of them are schooled in attachment theory. Again, this is pretty run of the mill. Like I wish I could be like, you're special, but you're not because <laughs> everyone deals with this. Um, and then yeah, guys, right into bless you at joinblush.com. We want to hear your stories. We want to offer you some tough love. We want to tell you the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. So submit, submit, submit. We love reading them and we want to read more. Yes. I love yes. it. Please. Yes. Hopefully next week I will have all limbs still. And be showered. And be showered. Who wants to come wash my hair? Me. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> luckily you can't smell on podcasts because it would be stanky, but that's <laughs> that's okay we love her anyway we just want her to okay. again we just want you to lay in bed and not move okay I'm not moving so we will see y'all next time we've got a special guest on the way as well which will be fun so yes. tune in you're not going to want to miss it see y'all Pretty later good. bye